0: through 18 James chapter number 5 verses 13 through 18 is there anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. Now watch this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he went through the same problems we went through. He struggled, had the same struggles we have. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your, your word this morning. Father God, we want you to know that we reverence your word. We reverence you. Father, we thank you this morning that, uh, Lord God, that you have not left us as orphans, but you've given us of your word that we might know how to live this life. This is a remarkable life because we serve a remarkable God. And Father, I pray that as I preach this morning, that you would uh, solidify and father God, that you are reaffirmed Lord in the hearts of the people, exactly what you are asking of us. None of me and all of you. I always pray this father because I recognize that I'm just flesh. I'm just a man who have a passion for you. Use me father as you would see fit and take this to another level. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, I'm beginning a brand new series uh, today, and it is entitled Spiritual Fitness. Normally around this time of year, you hear a lot of conversation about getting in shape. Uh, And I think that's for obvious reasons. Some of us would like in the summertime, we tend to wear less clothing. And so we want to have less things kind of hanging out if you know what I mean, for lack of better words. Even men sometimes, we like to wear our little tank tops and we don't always want our gut to be kind of staring at us because when it gets warm, we have less clothing on. And so we hear a lot of talk this time of year about getting fit. Over at the gym where I work out at and uh, sport and health, it's amazing the first two or three months, boy, that gym is like has a ton of people there uh you know and it is full and all these people are working out and working out because they're thinking that you know it's getting ready to get warm and i need to get in shape because i need to look good in that bathing suit i need to look good in that tank top and one of the things that i think that is so important as paul put it this way now paul said this, not me paul says bodily exercise profit is little he didn't say it didn't profit (laughs) he said it just profits little so you ought to work out, amen? You ought to take care of yourself. You ought to be in great shape. But I wonder how many of us are as serious about our spiritual condition as we are our fleshly tabernacle. You know, uh, we like to look in the mirror. If you're anything like my wife, every time she passes a mirror, she always poses, and I, I tease her all the time. She can't. It doesn't matter where she is. If there's a mirror somewhere, she's going to stop and do one of and it's it's all the time it never ever ceases to amaze me but I think that we ought to be just as tenacious in our spiritual fitness as well because one of the things that we want to be how many know we live in a radical generation we live in a very very dark world and unless you're from another planet uh, things are getting increasingly worse And so it's going to take a kind of radical Christianity to be able to confront the forces that we have to deal with today. And we do have to deal with a lot of forces. We have to deal with uh, all kinds of belief systems. And and so what uh, sparked me to do this series is to really position us so that we can be strong Christians. We want to be strong. We want to be believers that stand on convictions. We want to be believers that are not tossed to and fro. We want to be those who don't quit or give up when it gets hard, because how many know it's going to get hard? Uh, I know that I know, you know, I'm not one of those doom and gloom preachers. But, you know, if I read my Bible correctly, we can expect some trouble. And, uh, and so we need to be strong. We need, we need to be spiritually fit so that when the enemy comes, that we don't cow back. When the enemy comes and he attacks us, that we can stand firm, we can keep believing and keep persevering into the thing that God has called us to do. And so we're going to be going over for the next few weeks some spiritual discipline. And I want to talk about one today that you're going to get really, really excited about. When I mention this discipline you are going to jump right out, out of your seat, and you're going to clap your hands. You're going to say, "Yeah, Pastor, I'm excited." Preach about it, and that discipline is prayer. Are you excited? Talk to me. Are you really excited? I've been walking this thing now for about. There we go. <laughs> hey, there we go. All right, great. Preach, Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. One of the least attended services in the church happens to be prayer, and that's universal. That's not just in foundation. That's in just about every church that I attend, that I've been over, been a part of over the years. And uh, we talk about this issue of prayer. It often conjures up the idea that it is something that it's very difficult. It's very hard. It's not something sometimes that is easy because sometimes you have to labor in prayer. And I think by nature, we don't like to labor in much of anything. But when it comes to prayer as a believer, we got to understand that it is everything for us. It is the key to unlocking the kingdom. It is the key for us living lives that is a life that is pleasing to God and one whereby we are reaching our maximum potential, and that is prayer. You show me a Christian that is weak, and I'll show you a Christian that has a weak prayer life. So many of us look at prayer as kind of an option thing. I'm not just talking about just corporate prayer, but I'm talking about prayer even in your your personal lives. If I were to ask you, and you don't need to answer, if I were to ask and say, How much prayer did you do during the course of the week? Or do you have a set time where you actually go and you seek God about what you're doing? Do you seek God about your family? Have you sought God about the relationships that we're struggling with? All of us have these relational struggles. Have we brought that to God and said, God, I want you to deal with this. Is there a meeting time whereby we say, you know what, I'm going to put this on the calendar. I'm going to set a date and a time and I'm going to be there. To meet my God about my problems. If we are really honest. I think that we are lacking sometimes in our tenacity regarding prayer. And the goal of this message. And I believe this. And I think this is so critically important. I want you to hear me. The more that we pray. And we practice the discipline of prayer. The more we will find ourselves in the will of God. Many times we make decisions, we make bad decisions, I think sometimes because we haven't trained ourselves to hear the voice of God. And so the more that we Get in the presence of God. The more that we spend time in prayer, the more that we that we take our problems to God, whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, the more that we take it to God in prayer, the more likely we will land in the will of God and we can expect success in every area of your life. If you remember Jesus, he did. Jesus said this. He said it this way. He said, I do nothing unless I see my daddy do it. Jesus said, every move I made, I made sure that I checked with God first. You look at the apostles and the success that they had. The Bible talks about in the book of Acts, in one place where the apostles said, look, we're going to give ourselves to fasting and prayer, because without prayer, we cannot make it. Because it, is, it, it, is, it, is, uh, it, it facilitates everything that God wants to do, in our lives as a Christian. Everything. Not some things. Everything. You know. My greatest fear in. Going to this next level that we've been talking about. For any of us who have some major plans. In our lives that. Somehow that we think. That we can pull this off by great planning and great ideas. How many know that the church is Spiritual. We're kidding ourselves if we think that we're going to be able to win souls for Christ, that we're going to be able to change a generation, that we're going to be able to make a big difference without some serious prayer. I can tell you that every single time my wife can give testimony to this, that every single time that we was, we've been on the precipice of doing something great, there's always an attack. There's always pressure. There's always something to come up from nowhere. That's why the Bible says we ought to not just pray, but we need to watch and pray. We need to be discerning and understanding that that there need to be in our hearts that Lord I cannot make it unless I talk to you about this. Lord, I cannot survive unless I include you in on what I'm doing. God, we cannot have a, listen, we cannot have a successful ministry. We cannot bring new converts to Jesus. You cannot do the things that you want to do in your life really effective as a believer without serious prayer. Don't kid yourself. Great ideas are great. Men, men, I mean, people can come up with some fantastic ideas. But the church is spiritual. That which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. That which is of the flesh is of the flesh. You can't fight uh, spiritual things and, and dealing with, uh, with with fleshly ideas. They have to be born in the spirit. And so, if for some reason we think that we can be successful as believers, that we can live a godly life, that we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be, without some without prayer being a cornerstone, then then, then we're, we're deceiving ourselves. We can't do. Listen, you can't you can't you can't have a great marriage without prayer, not really. You can't be a real good Christian without serious prayer. We certainly cannot. Affect change and what we're talking about doing without some serious prayer that we're seeking the face of God about what it is that we're doing. You say, Pastor, well, I'm serious about winning souls for Jesus. I'm serious about the kingdom of God. I say, Great, but you cannot be serious about the kingdom of God and serious about evangelism without being serious about prayer. Because prayer is the foundation by which everything goes so every time there's a prayer meeting one of the things we do every time we have times of prayer we cease everything why because it's that moment of time we say God we we, we need you We, we need to hear from God about what it is that we're doing because we can do all our you can listen you can promote all your great ideas you can have a great business a great ministry you can have all those great ideas but unless God blows on that thing The Bible says unless the Lord build the house, you're doing it for nothing. I want us to come to a place where we realize that prayer is like water. It is like our daily food. I can't live without prayer. Jesus, Jesus himself, he could not do what he did. He could not endure the cross without prayer. You remember when he was in his finest and most difficult hour. He was. He said, "My soul is distressed." He said, "This is hard," and he had to pray. He had, in order for him to get through it, he had to pray. And if Jesus had to pray to get through some stuff, if he had to do it, how do we think that we can make? You see, this is why the devil fights so hard to keep you and I off our knees, because if the church ever get a revelation about prayer, boy, our lives will change. I'm not just talking about. We are the church, right? But I'm talking about every area of your life will change. When you get to a point when you and your spouse or you or whoever you are, you get to a point where you say, you know what? We're going to take this thing to God and we're going to have some intense prayer about this problem. Let me tell you something. The devil will do everything he can to keep you off your knees. He will keep you frustrated. He's going to keep you mad. He's going to keep you away from anything to do with prayer. You don't need prayer. You don't need to go to church. You can just pray at home. You don't have to worry about all that. Just do whatever you do. Keep you off your knees. Because if he can keep us from seeking God, he know he's won half the battle. Because we can't we can't live this life without prayer, without talking to God. No, 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 no. This thing is hard. Because when you came in the kingdom, there was a target that was placed on your back, whether you like it or not. And the devil is always like this, waiting to get you. So we got to come to a place where we say, you know what? Prayer is one of those. Listen, this is not something that we should just do for a season. This should be our life, that we live a life consistently, that we're praying and that we're we're seeking God. He says here in James (laughs) chapter number five. Confess your trespasses and pray for one another. Do you see what he just did there? James somehow connected our relationship to each other with our being healed. Did you see that? Let, let me you let me what it says here in the scripture. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. See? So, and we talk about this issue of prayer. The one of the things that we got to understand that there are certain things that hinder our ability to be able to get heaven's attention, right? And one of the things that's a problem is when we're not in right relationship or if we have offended somebody or if we have some kind of serious troubled relationship or angry or we were offended and we not dealt with it. How many know sometimes that hinders your ability to be able to get your healing? Well, I'm praying, I'm believing God for healing. Well, You know, it's funny because I'm thinking heal. What does healing have to do with forgiving my sins? What did that got to do with anything? I mean, from a natural perspective, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm talking about healing. You want to talk to me about forgiving my brother and confessing my trespasses. What's that all about? Because God kind of links it all together, you see. There he goes again. He's linking us together. But watch this. But I love this verse. I I want you to hear this. So that way you will know why I yell and scream so much. Do I yell and scream a lot? No. Thank you. He says, the effective, watch this. Now I, I want y'all to, I'm going to teach you a little bit. I want you to follow me in this. He says now, and in verse 16b, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I want you to I want you to hear what he just said there. He just gave us the recipe in order to, to get prayers that will avail. Prayers that work. How many of you want prayers that work? He says the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth a little bit. No. Too much. Much. D- do you hear that? So, so God, I love God because God is one of the one, one of the few people that give you an open book test all the time. He's giving you a test and he's giving you the answer at the same time. <laughs> The effective fervent prayer. Now watch this. That word effective in the Greek, effective fervent means this. Energy. Energy. E-N-E-R-G-E-O. We get that word, the same word from the word energy. Watch this. That means inspired to be active, to be energetic, to be full of physical and mental strength, energetic and passionate. Did y'all hear that? So then it can be read this way. The passionate, energetic, full of passion, passionate prayers availeth much. That's why you hear me say all the time, I don't want to be a part of any dead prayer service. Because I already know if it's just dead and the people listen, I mean, even when I'm at home, sometimes my wife she'll hear me because I'm listen. I don't pray. when I pour out my heart before God, I pour it out. And if you hear me, it's okay because I know what the scripture says the effective, fervent prayer of a right to the veil much. So it's not, you know, no, Lord, okay, Lord. I hope and pray that I really believing that you really do this. See, he's he says, I want energy. See, prayer that is lively and energetic, it it, it produces electricity in the air. He says, when you have that kind of prayer, the effective, the fervent prayer of the righteous, he says, that availeth much. See, an energetic prayer that's full of faith accomplishes much. So whenever we come together, he also, it also, that definition also reflects A mental, a physical and mental strength. That means that when I pray, that how many of you, sometimes you have to fight distractions when you pray? You ever notice that when you start to pray, when you get really serious about wanting to pray, that everything just kind of happens. The cell phone goes off. The baby starts screaming. You know, the next door neighbor starts knocking on your door. All kind of stuff just starts to happen. Why? Because you want to pray. Because the enemy knows if I can get you distracted. I get you distracted. You won't be engaged, you see. So he says, the effective, fervent prayer, that that full physical and mental strength, that means that when I pray, that I am, listen, every time you pray, every time you come together, or when you pray at home, there should be this full engagement that you should be fully engaged with God in your prayers. Why? Because he says, when you pray like this, it's going to (laughs) work. The effective, fervent prayer. Of the righteous man availeth a whole bunch. So then I know right off the bat if I want God to answer my prayers, I need to put some pep in my step. And mean, my pastor all the time, he tells him, Pastor Ron, he says, he says, Pastor Ron, that's one of the things he can't stand, boy. He, he says all the time, I can't stand their prep means. <laughs> How many of you have ever heard of EM Bounds? He was a great Methodist preacher back in the late 1800s. You probably heard of him in the early 1900s. E.M. Bounds. He said this, and listen to this. Listen to this. We're talking about prayer. This is so powerful. He says prayer must. He says prayers must be red hot. He says it is fervent prayer that is effectual and that availeth. Coldness of spirit hinders praying. Prayer cannot live. In wintry atmospheres. Chilly surroundings freeze out petitioning and dry up the springs of supplication. It takes fire to make prayer go. Glory to God. The effective, fervent prayer, passionate prayer. If you want to get God's attention, we got to come to a place that our whole Person is involved in what we're doing. That we got to be willing to lose ourselves. We got to be willing, ladies, you got to be willing to let the tears come and the makeup go. <laughs> Men, you got to be willing to let go of that pride and say, if I need to cry about what I'm going through, I'm going to listen, I've got to get a word from God. You know, when you're desperate, you really don't care. Amen. You remember the blind man who walking on the street? He remembered blind um, Barnabas. He said, Lord Jesus, heal me. He kept saying, Lord, heal me. He heard. He said, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. He was blind. They kept saying, Boy, will you shut up? Shut up. Jesus is coming. He screamed out even more, Lord Jesus, heal me. He did not care about what people think. You see, when you really get right with God, you're dead. I don't really care about what you think about me. I don't say that in an arrogant sense. But when you really get dead, I mean, when you really want to get something from God, when you want God to move, how many of you want God to move on your behalf? If you, when you really want God to move on your behalf, you've got to come to a place that I'm willing to be naked. Yeah. Yeah. That you look at me and you say to me, well, well you know, what, brother, what, you know, why is he raising up his hand? Because I love Jesus. Why, why are you on your knees? Why are, you, why are you crying that way? Can't you see the people are watching you? You look embarrassed. You're embarrassing me. You remember David when he danced before the Lord? That Michal and his wife and everybody said, you're supposed to be a king. And you're acting like a little wild man out here, Chippendale. You're like, you lost, you're out here dancing. David said, you know what? You ain't seen nothing yet. You think this is bad? You watch your brother. What was he saying? He, he, he was saying, see. I, I got to get a word from God. I got to hear from God. And when I, when I want God to move on my behalf, I'm going to open my mouth. Some of you, you, some of you, come in here, you come in here sometime and you pray and you're so quiet. Oh, no, no, no. I got to get a word from God. Because he says, effective, fervent prayer availeth. So you got God. You want God to move on your behalf. I don't care what it is. Say, Lord, I need you to move. I need you to do something. He said, this kind of prayer works. Watch this. Look at 1 Samuel chapter number 1, verses 8 through 15. Here's a woman by the name of Hannah who had a need, or she had a strong desire, I should say. She was married to a man, and uh, at that time he had two wives, but look at the neighbor and say, we don't do that no more. So don't y'all get no funny ideas. See, you always got to tell people because then they'll be trying to come back and try to say some crazy stuff. So you just never know. But she couldn't, Hannah was barren. She couldn't have babies. Now I want, you to, I want you to hear this. So here this woman is being tormented by Panaya, the other wife, because the other wife could have kids. But here Hannah, she was barren. She couldn't have kids. Now, it's, you know, nowadays it's not something that women enjoy, right? I mean, it's one of the worst things that can happen, that if you want kids, you can't have them. But even back in those days, it was even more so. That if a woman was barren, she was really looked down upon like something was really wrong with her. So she began to take this thing to the Lord. Now I want you to hear this. She took this prayer to the Lord. Watch this. In verse number eight, we'll start reading verse number eight uh, through 15. Uh, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, "O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. <laughs> now Hannah spoke in her heart, but only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, see, 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 see Eli thought she was drunk. See, people think you're crazy sometimes when you get serious about the Lord. They will. They'll think you're crazy, but that's okay. How long will you be drunk? Now he's all, he's a priest, right? He's supposed to be hearing from God. And he he don't have a clue what's going on with this woman. See, people always got something to say about your life. They don't know what you're going through. They have no clue what your struggles is. That's why you need to give them to Jesus. But your wine put away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, 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 my Lord. I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You hear what she said there? So here's a woman who had a strong desire. She wanted a baby. And what did she do? She took it to the Lord in prayer. And the scripture says that she was bitter and she was in in bitterness of soul and she she wept in anguish. In other words, her prayer was so filled with passion that it shook the foundations of heaven and God heard. See, we want our prayers to mean something. We understand the importance of praying. But he says, but but you see, Hannah had a kind of passion. She said, I've been pouring out my soul before God. When is the last time you just got before God and you poured out your soul to God? that you wept before him, that you cried before him, that you said, Lord, have mercy, move. She was, listen, she said, Lord, I will give this baby to you. Lord, if you move, God, if you move for me, if you do this, I promise I will sacrifice, I will give this baby to you. No razor will come upon this child's head. You use it for your glory, God, if you do this. And God just looked, God got God, God's attention. Got God's attention. And guess what? She had a baby prophet. His name was Samuel. Now, just in case you don't know, Samuel was one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the planet. Solomon, when when Samuel came in the city, everything shut down because he was so anointed by God. Where did it come from? From a woman who had passion, who cried out to God, who poured out her soul to God, and she shook the foundation of heaven, and God moved on her behalf. What God did for her, he will do for you. Are you with me? What he did for her, he will do for us. But we got to be willing to come to that place where I say, Lord, I'm going to labor before you. Sometimes, I mean, you know you got to labor in prayer. She poured out her soul unto God. She was a woman that was desperate. And God moved. Don't turn there, but listen to this. Hebrews 5, 7. You can write it down if you like. When Jesus was here on earth, watch this. He offered prayers of pleadings. You mean tell me Jesus was pleading and praying with a loud cry and tears? This is what the word says about Jesus praying. Watch. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleading with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver him out of death. Jesus himself, when he prayed, loud cry and tears. When you pouring out your soul, you're passionate, you're effective, you're fervent. Because when you're passionate and you're fervent, pride tends to go, doesn't it? What other people tend to think about you, go, doesn't it? And when that, let me tell you something, and when that kind of thing start to happen, that's when all the heavens will begin to open up for you and God will move on your behalf. If we, get, if we come to a place where we say, you know, Pat, I, Lord, I'm going to get serious about this thing of prayer. I'm going to get on fire for God. I'm going to pray about my family. I'm going to pray about my children. I'm going to pray about my church. I'm going to pray that, Lord God, that, 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 that we win a mighty harvest of souls, and I'm going to cry out. I'm going to, see. I, you, know, you know what I'm getting at here? I want to see us come to a point that we're so on fire about this thing that we're weeping and crying for souls. That we cry every time we see somebody's blood spill in the street. You know, we don't cry like we used to no more. It doesn't bother us no more to see the violence sometimes that we see on TV. That's, that's another person. But you know, Jesus died for every single individual. Did you know that? Every one of them. And if we're going to bring in new converts, we got to come to the point that we get before God. We got to come to that place where we weep and anguish before God. And we begin to labor and cry out to Him in prayer. Turn with me to, I believe, Matthew chapter 26. We only got a couple more scriptures, we have done. Matthew chapter 26. This is right before, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. We kind of talked about this, but in in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46, it says, look at this, uh, Matthew 26. Then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, watch this, sit here while I go and pray over there. (laughs) And he took with him Peter. Now, you remember Peter, right? The one that said, Lord, no matter what, I will never Leave you, if everybody else run, if everybody else go, Lord, I got your back. You can depend on those other guys, the other jokers. You can't really depend on me. But me, Lord, I'm a little bit different than them. I'm a little bit more anointed, right? And this was the spirit that Peter had before this. Now, he's anointed, right? Now, watch. And he took with him Peter. And it mid how God, will, you know, you start talking, God will put you in places to give you a test. If you say that this is, that this is what you do, you say, you, say going, you say that you're really, you're standing up for me. You said you were really, okay, let me put you to, let's, let's see if you're going to do that. Now watch this. And he took with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to, to death. Stay here, watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them what? There we go again. And said to who? Who is he ready to say this to? Peter, watch this. What could you not watch with me one hour? Peter, I thought you said that you had my back. Peter, I thought you said that. If everybody else were to walk away, you would still be there. Peter, I'm in my most difficult hour, Peter. This is very hard for me. Peter, can you not pray with me for one hour without going to sleep? He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But how many of you would say my flesh is weak? <laughs> Again the second time. Watch now. Jesus is going to give him another chance. He went away and he prayed. Now what is Jesus doing? He's praying in his most difficult moment. See, in your most difficult hour, what you should be doing is praying. When you have real hardship in your life, listen, it's okay to talk to Johnny and Susie. But, you know, we need to be praying about this. (laughs) I need to be with somebody who's going to pray with me and pray through this. We don't need to gossip about it. We need to get before God. We need to pray. Watch this. Verse 43, he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them. He went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping? Are you still asleep? The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now watch this. He says to the disciples, here's what you need to do. You need to watch and pray. Because I don't care who you are. The flesh is flesh. You catch any one of us at the wrong time. We ain't that spiritual. Right? I mean, I mean, I know we, we want everybody to think we all got it together all the time. But you catch us at the wrong time. The, the spirit is willing. I mean, I really, really, really have good intentions. Um. Good intentions are what they are. Jesus says your, 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 your spirit is willing. I mean, you want to follow God. You want to do what's right. I, I know your heart. I understand that. But right now, what you're going through, you need to be praying because the temptation is going to come. And the only thing that's going to empower you to get through your difficult moment is praying. You see, I believe that for every addiction, every struggle, everything that we're dealing with, can oftentimes be tied back to not giving ourselves to serious and focused prayer. So if you're struggling with anything in your life, a relationship, an addiction, something that you're dealing with, watch and pray that you don't give in to that temptation. Because the temptation is going to come. And Jesus says, okay, here's what you need to do, Peter. Your spirit is willing. You love me. I know you really do. That's why at the end, Jesus restored him. He said, Peter, remember Peter, you know, Peter had messed up really, really bad. And Jesus came back and said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lamb, feed my sheep. You know, and Peter was like, Lord, you know, you can tell he was humble. He he won't like he was before. You know, he got humble because he realized that, you know what, my flesh is weak. And if I don't keep praying, if I don't stay before God, you know, I could fall. See, that's why you want to make sure that if nothing else, you better have a, a pastor that's praying because when you see your pastor start praying, he's going to fall pretty quickly and it's coming right around the corner. If you don't give some, yourself to serious prayers about things going in your life, the temptation is going to come, whatever it is. The trouble is going to come. And in order for you to be able to combat that, you've got to be in some serious prayer. Because Jesus says, now, if you don't do this, you're going to fall. And guess what happened? When the temptation came, when the Roman soldiers came, what did they do? They all ran. Peter, right? He was one of the first ones. I saw you. You were with him. I swear, I don't know the man. Never seen him. <laughs> I don't know he talked. Wait a minute. That, that, uh, what happened? I, I, I don't know him. I mean, he, y'all got the wrong guy. No, you got a country accent. You talk like a Galilean. I, uh, you, uh, you were with, I saw you at the issue. Yes, no, I, I swear to God, I don't know that man. I swear I don't know. You got the wrong guy. And bleep, 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 bleep start cursing. I don't know. How do you go from there <laughs> to, I don't know. How did he go from, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll do anything you want me to do. God, I'll be, I I got your back. I'll be. I'll be right there behind you, God. I'll be right there. You know why? Because he was asleep when he should have been praying. See, too many of us are asleep when we should be praying about our situation and circumstances around. See, sleep doesn't mean that you're, you just you're out of it. You don't really have a clue of what's really happening around you. When you sleep, you know, you're in that, that deep sleep. You just in la la land. <laughs> you are just exposed. <laughs> they were asleep. When Jesus said you should have been praying, because I believe if they would have been praying when the soldiers came, he would have been ready. You know why? Because he wasn't trusting in himself. He was trusting in him who was able to deliver him. We got to go. We got to go. All right. We got to go. Look at this. Um, Mark chapter one. And then uh, I think this is our last scripture. Mark chapter one, verse thirty-five. to five. That the priority of prayer. And we're going to close this down. Mark chapter number one. Watch this. Now, I'm giving you the keys. Now, you say, Well, Pastor, I got some problems. Well, here's what you need to be doing with it. Look at verse number 35 through 39 in uh, the Gospel of Mark. It says, Now, in the morning, Jesus, having risen a while, a long while before daylight, (laughs) and he went out and departed to a what kind of place? Is anybody reading with me? What kind of place? And there he what? He prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Now hear this. They were looking for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Now watch. Here's the key to prayer. Now, let me say this before I even make this comment because I know the temptation will be to say, Pastor, you're being legalistic. You know how people say sometimes, you start saying, well, I think you should get up early in the morning and pray. That should be the very first thing you, well, you're just trying to put me in bondage. Shame on you. Listen, we already know that you're in the kingdom. You, listen, if you believe in Jesus, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You're confessing as Lord and Savior. So we're not doing stuff to get saved, right? We're doing things, we're talking about things that we do in order to be Effective. Right. I want to be effective in my walk with God. I've had some really good intentions. You remember I told you earlier, good intention can mean anything. I have found in my life that the best time to pray is the very first thing you do before you do anything else. Because the devil will start with you as soon as you say, well, I'll wait till I get home and pray or I'll wait till I get in the car and pray. And remember we talked about the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous, fervent prayer, meaning full mental and physical strength. If you live anywhere in Northern Virginia and you're driving a car, and the way these people drive out here, there's no way that you're fully giving God the attention that He needs behind that wheel. Because I've, I've done it, I've been sitting there praying, oh, that, oh that, and somebody cut me. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? I'm just being, can I just I'm just being real. Right, the effective fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So, so Jesus was extremely busy. The Bible says that he was so busy that he didn't even oftentimes have time to sit down and eat. Could you imagine everybody who had sickness and disease? You know, it's like if somebody had the power they could they could heal AIDS, and everybody heard about it. You can imagine all the people who got AIDS and leprosy, all kinds. They just but he he had the whole gamut, you know, leprosy issues of blood, every kind of, people got no limbs, short limbs, long limbs, everybody was coming to him. So do you know what Jesus did? In Luke five sixteen. the Bible says that Jesus will oftentimes just get away and pray. In other words, it's like you're there talking to Jesus and all of a sudden, where do you go? Because you know I said earlier, the devil will make sure that You will be so busy during the course of the day by the time you get home that one day you miss turning into two days, turns into three days. Then before you know it, you haven't read your Bible in a week. You haven't even prayed in two weeks. But you love God, though. But how can you really hear from God if you're not talking with him? Are, Are you with me? The more I talk to God in prayer, the more I'm engaged. It's like my wife, right? My wife knows me because we talk all the time. Sometimes she says, I talk too much. But I say the same thing about her. So it's a mutual thing. But I have intimacy. I'm intimate with her, so I know a lot of things about her. I know when she says, honey, fix me some coffee, I know exactly how she wants it. I know how much cream. You know why? Because I'm connected with her. I have intimacy with her. And so the more I talk to her, the more I understand what makes her happy, what makes her sad, what makes her angry, what makes her whatever, whatever. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Same it is with the kingdom. See, the more we talk with God, the more that we spend that time with God, it's the same principle. I begin to learn and understand him. And so my challenge is, and, and this is what Jesus made a regular habit. He would get up early in the morning. He would pray. Well, you know what? I get up too early as it is. Okay. Good luck fighting the devil today. Because <laughs> he, cause, I mean, none of us, are no, you know, we're no match for the devil. You cannot fight that he is a thousand times stronger than you are. You don't have a shot at him. The Bible says that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We We can't do it. The only way that you can defeat the devil is that you have to be in God and you have to petition him to come and fight on your behalf. That's the only way. And if you're not praying on a regular basis, if you're not in some kind of communication with God, let me tell you, you're struggling. You're having a very difficult time in your personal life. Because if you're in the kingdom and you're washing his blood, he fights you. Now, if you ain't saved, then everything, I guess, is OK with you. But when you get saved, you get born again. The devil is going to bother you. He's going to bother your relationships. He's going to do whatever he can to keep you in bondage. To keep you struggling, to keep you in situations that you're wondering, how in the world am I going to get out of this? Now, let me say this. Beginning in early June or mid-June, I'm going to be announcing I'll make the announcement today because I want to give you a 2 weeks notice. Now, I want you to say, say this with me. It's not legalistic. It's okay. It's not a trick. You can trust me. I'm not going to do anything crazy. All right? But here's, what I, here's, here's, what I, here's my passion. I love every one of you. I want to see you successful. I want to see you living an abundant life that Jesus wants you to have in every aspect of your life. You know, you're supposed to be blessed. Everything you touch, everything you do, you're supposed to be blessed. Even Joseph, when he got thrown into prison, you know, he was blessed. He got favored in the prison. He ran the whole thing and he became prime minister. We're supposed to be blessed. The head and not the tail. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so what I'm announcing today is a 40 day period of time of fasting and prayer 40 days now before you get all like oh gosh I know some of you may be thinking you know I'm not participating hold on wait a minute before you go there before you go there I want to caution you before you say well pastor I ain't going to participate in that I'm going to say to you this some of you you have some struggles and things and you have some strongholds and issues that you've been dealing with for a long time Jesus said that some things don't get broken but by fasting and prayer. you follow me? There are a lot of things that you can just moan and complain, all you want, but they don't change until we come to a place. You say, well, Lord, I'm going to give myself. Some things you just got to fight it. We're announcing a 40 day, 40 straight days beginning probably mid-June that fasting and prayer. Now, here's what we're going to be asking you to do. Now, you'll be getting some information in the bulletin. First of all, uh, let, me, let me say this. I am one who don't like to miss meals. I just don't. I have a big appetite. And so you know the guy had to put this on my heart because there ain't no other way i will be doing this. Okay? Amen. You got that, right? I don't like to miss meals. I like to eat. I just, I'm not one of those who's super spiritual. I just love fasting. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the headaches I get. I don't like it. But I want to see my family situation change. I want to see my, my kids in the kingdom. I want to see my community change. I want to see people get safe. I want to see that my marriage is strong. I want to be healed of any sickness and disease. I want a financial breakthrough. I got loved ones that won't come to Jesus because they're demonic forces that are at work that's got them blocked up and jacked up. And sometimes you just got to say, okay, it's it. You know, it's like being in school. You know, had the bully keep teasing, keep teasing, keep teasing. And finally you just say, okay. You take care of everything. And say, oh, now, now we're ready. This is kind of like, now we're ready, devil. It's now we're ready kind of thing. Because in everything that we do, Everything that we do, we want God to be glorified and we want to be believers that are really making a difference. And you know that all these little things, the little foxes, little things that you're dealing with in your life, they all serve to jack you up so much so that you can't focus on doing what God wants you to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? The devil knows how to get you trapped into stuff so that you can have all these great plans and, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, but you're so jacked up over here, it's hindering your ability to be able to prosper in this area. Are you with me? The devil knows how to fight you. If you don't, see, if we don't begin to discern that and understand that, wait a minute, I'm in spiritual warfare here. So we're going to pull this down. Now, here's what we're going to be asking you to do. Now, we're asking you, I'm not going to go back and check on you and say, are you doing it? I want to trust that God convict your heart and say and that you join us and say, you know what? I'm going to spend this time. I'm going to seek God because I need a breakthrough because I'm tired. Some of us have been battling stuff now for years and we can't get it through. We can't break through it. Can't do it. We've been trying. We've been struggling and nothing else works. So now we're saying, OK, we're going to take it to another level. And here's what I here's what I guarantee. I guarantee you, if any every one of us participate in this, that you're going to see a change happen. Breakthroughs are going to start happening all over the place. God wouldn't have told me to do this unless I knew the same. Listen, you know, I told Diver yesterday through email. I said I had I wanted to preach something else yesterday. I did not want to talk about this. And God impressed In fact, he started impressing this on my heart on Wednesday. And I was trying to figure out a way to get out of it because I figured the people ain't going to be all excited about praying. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest with you? I just feel like I come in and start talking about prayer. I'm going to lose half of everybody. They, you know, they they go. Like, OK, it's just another one of prayer prayer, prayer messages. No, but we, we're not we're not just talking about prayer. We're talking about your life. This is your lifeline. This has to do with everything that's important to you. We're praying during this time. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for wisdom. And praying for a harvest. We're going to pray for uh, restored relationships. We're going to pray for personal revival. That means addictions and things that people have been struggling with. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to, you know, we, we, we talked about the effective fervent prayer. We're going to cry out to God in this season. We're going to give it to him. We're going to pray for financial breakthrough. Because the enemy wants to get you jacked up in your finances so you can't even do nothing for God. But you're always struggling trying to make it. We're going to pray that God moved by his spirit. We're going to pray for a strong outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And people are going to get saved in your family. Lives are going to be restored. Relationships are going to be destroyed. Cities are going to be won. People are going to be brought to Jesus in this season. I guarantee. Listen, I'm, I never guaranteed anything before. But I'm guaranteeing this, if you do this, this 40-day thing we're talking about, he said, for 40 days, I'm consecrating myself. I never, some of you have never given that kind of commitment to God before. For 40 days, this is what I'm going to do. Don't tell me you're serious about getting help if you're not serious about this. Because I'm going to say to you, what else do you want me to do? God has already spoken about what he wants. So here's what we're asking everybody to do. It's not a legalistic thing. I'm asking... I believe I'm speaking by the spirit of God that for at least 15 minutes before you do anything else. That means if you get up at three in the morning, that you get up at two forty five for a minimum 15 minutes. You're going to give some focused, concentrated prayer to God every day. That's minimum. I believe that you're going to be doing more, but minimum 15 minutes of concentrated prayer about whatever God puts on your heart. And then. We're asking, as it relates to fasting, for beginning Saturday, so we're going to fast dinner for 40 days on Saturday. So for 40 days, for 40 Saturdays, you, you, well, it's not 40 Saturdays, but you know what I mean. For 40 days on Saturdays, you're not going to eat on Saturday for, until this 40-day period ends, Saturday dinner. So we're asking you to fast Saturday dinner. We're asking you to fast Sunday don't eat anything Sunday. Don't eat no breakfast. We want you to come into the house of God. We'll break the fast after service ends. Okay? So we're fasting Saturday, uh, dinner, Sunday, and then every Sunday, every Sunday until it ends, that we come together at 930 and we pray. And here's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be so charged up in the spirit, we're going to be praying for all kind of stuff. And let me tell you something. We're going to be casting out some devils. Are you with me? We're going to be, it's, listen, so if you're scared, stay home. Because some of the stuff that people are dealing with is straight up demonic. Straight up demonic. And I, listen, my, my any charisma or lack thereof I have or whatever ability I have, I am limited. At the end of the day, I'm in this thing with you and we're trying to fight this thing. And we need, we, need, we need God to move. And when, I, when we spoke about effective fervent prayer. It's no time to be quiet. It's time to let yourself go. That you walk around here. You do whatever you got to do. But you come in here with an intent that you're going to get what you believe in God for. And during that time period that you're fasting, that you're not there watching TV. But you got your Bible open. And you're seeking God because you can fast. And if you're not having that spiritual component, all you did was miss a meal. Fast and pray. Watch and pray. Praying for you. Some of you got stuff. I don't care what it is. You think about it. What is it? And you begin from now because we got, we got a couple of weeks. I'm going to give you a heads up. So you begin to write stuff down that you need God to move. And I want everybody to have a list. And I want to be asking you to bring that list on that first Sunday. And we're going to put that list right in a bucket. Nobody's going to be looking in there and reading it. Okay? We're going to put that list, whatever it is. I don't care what your problem is, but I want you to put the list and we're going to, as a, as a symbolic gesture, and we're going to pray over it that God move. Yeah. And I'm believing at the end of 40 days, there's something wonderful. I'm telling you, breakthroughs are going to happen all over this place. Weird. We won't have a problem over there. People are going to be coming. People are going to be getting saved. People are going to be going get, getting delivered. Relative friends, they're going to be coming to Jesus. And you are going to be getting victory over things that's been pulling you down for years. Now, you'll be hearing more about it. We'll be talking about it. But I've gotten to a point, I'm just tired of the devil. I'm tired of them beating God's people. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of just the mundane. At some point, we got to, I mean, no, you can't keep doing the same thing expecting a different result. At some point, you got to stand up and say, no, no, no more. We can't, listen, we can't do what we're trying.